Attention, please be advised. The following episode contains spoilers. Don't say we didn't warn you. What the hell? <laughs> I want to be with you. He took an attack out of something that was like <laughs> confirming. Oh yeah, we saw that together. <laughs> Bitch, we saw that together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nerd on. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Nerd On, the podcast you didn't need, but you deserve. And where all levels of nerd are welcome. It's true. Today we celebrate two, two momentous occasions. Mm-hmm. First, guess what, guys? This yep. is our 100th Ooh. episode. <laughs> 100. Happy birthday to Good try, though. Good That's try. not how we're going to do Almost there. Okay. Nerdon turns 147. <laughs> <laughs> but also, today we take a ride from Burbank to Coenga to Spawn Ranch to the Hollywood Hills in one of the most prolific times of Los Angeles history with Quentin Tarantino's ninth, ninth film, yep. Once Upon a Time. In Hollywood. Yeah, he just confirmed recently that Kill Bill 1 and 2 is one movie. Yeah, because oh, he has the whole bloody affair as yeah. one movie. Like yeah. Bitch. Mm. I mean, I love you, man. Didn't he market it as the fifth? Maybe he didn't. Uh, whatever. Go anyway. on with the role. Anyways. Yeah, I'm Josh. I'm Caitlin. I'm Corey. I'm Tom. And I'm Ali. And this episode is brought to you in part by the members of the Nerd On Nation, powered by Patreon. Patreon. If you are new to what Patreon is, it is essentially a exclusive membership service in which you can support your favorite creators like Nerd On. Oh, shit. That's right? us. I'm just kidding. What a coincidence. <laughs> you just finding out about that? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Brand new. How I do I sign to, up? I just came they here to talk allow about us shit. To, yeah? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. They allow us to keep the lights on and keep doing things like this, keep growing. And in return, you get fun stuff like the Discord server, which is popping all the time. From comic books to gardening. Talking about <laughs> yeah. all sorts of fun stuff. And more. Uh, but yeah, you get exclusive content that's never been heard before. And you get early access to all of our episodes, our merch. But yeah, check it out. Nerdon.io backslash Patreon. Patreon. It's fun stuff. We did it. Good job. Have a nice day. You so with it. that, <laughs> Caitlin, what else do we do today? Since this is something that is completed and we can give it a rating, we're going to guess that grump. One was Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Good one. Thank you. The ending was good. Everything else was pure chaos. On your end, yeah. As normal. Uh, So Guess That Grump is a segment of our show where all of us are going to give the movie a rating since it is completed. So it'll be anything from a one, because we give nothing a zero, unless you're Ali and it doesn't have Batman, or you're going to give it a five. True. Um, yep. And everybody can give it a five, and that would make everybody the grump. But well, more well, than one likely, one through five, not one or five. One, one, one through, through five. five with decimal points, most likely. Yes. That's me. It was amazing or awful. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> you decide. Or terrible. <laughs> one being the lowest, um, five being the highest. So one being the lowest, five being the highest. Everybody's going to give their own rating, and whoever rates the lowest is going to be the grump of, of the, the week. week. And even on Patreon, we have a poll. Yeah. 
uh, for our patrons to vote for who they think is going to be the grump of the week. They also have pull that up after we get. They also have a North and South Pole. North and South Pole. Wow. Amazing. No, that's not real. (laughs) No. Um, Thank you, though. So, So, currently. Since you always explain. Since I always explain, I'm going to go first, and I think it's going to be Josh. Okay. Um, I think it's going to be Caitlin. All right. That's one for Josh, one for Caitlin. Who's next? Go, Ollie. Everyone thinks it's you, anyways. I'm going to go with. (laughs) What? No one's voted for Ollie yet. I'm going to go with Tom. Uh, For me, I'm going to guess Caitlin. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to guess Ollie then. And Two on the patrons, uh, patrons vote for Hey, I said I was well. going to do it. You jackass. I, I actually didn't it hear up. it, so you can say I it again. I said I got it. Oh, I f- oh. What is it going to be now? <laughs> wow. What is it, Josh? Corey? you got to tell no. me because I didn't wow. hear. Well, anyway, what is it? it's Ali. That's what it is. It's I took me. it, and now I took it. Oh. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's, that's why I said all the people already think it's Ali anyways. No one has told me. Ali! Okay. He just said it like everyone at home, everyone here in the studio, the people at the Nerd on Nation think it's Ali. Caitlin? In the studio, people think it's going to be Ali who's going to be the grump of the week. Wait, but who do, they, who, who do they think is the grump? God damn it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, <laughs> moving along. Moving along to our next segment of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about the film, <laughs> what we thought about it when we left the theater, what we compared it with the other Quentin Tarantino films. So, our initial reactions and first impressions, if you're across the pond, I will explain it. I already did explain it. So, I'm going to go first. Um, uh, I mean, I studied Tarantino. This crazy thing, our 100th episode is our first Tarantino film. Yeah. We've done on the show. It's uh, kind of a shame. Uh, I studied him in school, and I, th- I always kind of felt he was a little, like, up his own ass about a lot of things because, like, you know, he is yeah. watched like more films than all- than most people in the entire world have watched. Yeah, and most of them are like sometimes not the greatest films of all time. But he has a lot of backing in like film theory and shit like that. He knows where his shit comes from. So, going into his ninth film, and the big reason why he talked about his ninth film is his big uh, motif as a director set his argument his motto his nindo as some people would say is that no filmmaker can make uh films after nine films after the ninth film all their films are garbage wow Um, and they said like that's what turns great filmmakers into shit filmmakers so i'm like cool good luck with star trek and uh kill bill (laughs) three um uh yeah uh so going into this one i was like yeah let's see where the fuck he goes like this should be his magnum opus right like his like last film but he hasn't said it's the last film um I heard that I read that that's what he referred to this as like it's uh, code name last film was Magnum Opus. Oh, yeah. Huh. I mean, that's what Daniel Day-Lewis says about films and then he retires and comes back all the time. Uh, that was just its code name. Uh, like most has films have back? like a code name. Yeah, he came back for Phantom Thread. Oh, like he, he retired before that point and he, he came back. Oh, I thought it was after. Um, but now he said he retired. So I'm like, all oh, right, okay. let's see what if, you know, P.T. Anderson wants to do anything. Lincoln too. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> the Lincoln Ada. <laughs> Uh, I I walked out of the film. Um, you know, there's a lot of contention, you know, with uh, Cannes and Venice Film Festival, like kind of having weird press junkets and all this stuff. So I walked out of it um, pleasantly surprised. I remember watching the trailer and being like, I'm really excited to watch this movie mainly because it doesn't look like it's wrought with violence as most of his yes. films usually like are part of the marketing team. Not like it have anything against violence or anything like that, but... It's kind of like that's what gets you through the front door. The, it's interesting you, to see something different. Yeah, what gets you through the front door of this film is kind of like, oh, it's his ninth film. And also you have Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt like being having comedy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so I walked mm-hmm. away like I was really uh, impressed with a lot of the performances and a lot of the, the decisions that he made. Um, and the thing I love about Tarantino filmmaking is that like 
for as much as I, you know, if I don't like it as a personal preference, I can't ignore the intention he has behind his framing or the intention yeah. he has behind yeah. camera movement versus a lot of films nowadays, they just shoot something because they know it looks good versus they know what it does to the audience. Uh, Subconsciously. Watch, yeah, yeah. The, the viewing experience. Yeah. Next. Hmm. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I kind of had the sa- a similar experience. Uh, one kind of like baggage I will say that I have is that I'm not a I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. Mm-hmm. I will watch his movies because I can appreciate him as a filmmaker, um, but I won't often walk away from a Tarantino film going, "Ah, oh, this is the best movie I've ever seen." But this one I walked out of and I was very pleasantly surprised because it was almost not a Tarantino <laughs> film. Um, there were some things that I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a Tarantino thing," but yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised and I. I I really enjoyed it, and it was performance-wise. It was what it was about. It was kind of the the history of it too. Even though it's a alternate telling of the events that happened, but it's still it was very fun to see things like Casa Vega on um, in North Hollywood and seeing um, all the different spots and going, oh, yeah. I know that place. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. Like uh, Musso and Frank. Yeah, have you ever been? I haven't been there, but it's Bonnie's good. like, we have to go. Well, that's the thing. Like, I love. Uh, like I love LA and I love so there's like a little bit of LA pride anytime a movie is set there and they make references Yeah. so like her saying that she needed to go to Chatsworth yeah. yeah, I was like, I know exactly what that is, and that's a bitch of a drive. Yeah, yeah. like especially it. where it's located, like yeah. the yeah. Spawn Ranch. I'm like, because you pretty much have to Do like you know like how to get there. <laughs> it's a lot of city streets up in the valley, and it's yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. Seeing some spots that I used to live that I'm like, oh hey, that was my apartment building that <laughs> I used to live. Um, but uh, I I'm also a big fan of. Like Hollywood history, like seeing just the yes. way that it used to be, and seeing like Steve McQueen and yeah, Steve. stuff like that, and just the, I mean the the industry has changed so much over the past hundred years that it's just it's so cool to see different eras, and like specifically they say that the Tate murders changed Hollywood for sure. Yeah. Like at that at Roman that time, Polanski left yeah. the country. Yeah, so I mean it just changed the way movies were done. It just changed the. It changed the feel of Hollywood at that time. That one summer, like, mm, yep. And it's not. I'm not saying that it it fucked everything up. I'm just saying that that is an event that changed. It's a catalyst. Yeah. For change. And so it's it's interesting to see because I know that it was kind of an homage to that time. That it's like that's the other thing that I love about. I'll I'll say that anyway. Next. Um, I guess it will be me. Sure. Uh, I don't know Quentin Tarantino's work very well. Goddamn. It's it's. <laughs> It just—it's never something that, uh, especially things that I've always heard. Quentin Tarantino, hyper violence, like those yeah. the two things. Oh, this is like the married. best one to watch then, because uh, not- exactly. Uh, and I, what, I've seen what of his have you seen? Um, Kill Bill snippets of it. I haven't even seen the whole thing all the oh, way sure. through. Okay. Um, and Did we pop your Tarantino cherry, like for a full Tarantino. We should have had, yeah. had we should have had you yeah. watch some more before this. We should have clockwork oh, orange. Yeah, though. for sure. Oh. <laughs> God. Um, oh, no, I don't like that. I'm gonna have to bring um, out that chair again. <laughs> no, uh, but but I I remember looking because I schedule out all of my life, and when I was looking at how long the movie is, I was like, oh my god, this movie is almost three hours long. Two forty five. How am I going to? Okay, we'll just see what happens. You watched that game, Josh? How many uh, times you pee? Right, <laughs> but but I was familiar with a lot of it, and I was fine with you know Lord of the Rings too. Like well, those are really long Infinity movies. War, you kind of know. But but I, 
I was worried about going into a Tarantino film being like, oh man, it's going to be a lot of violence. And I came out being like, holy shit, that was so good. How long was Hate Flight? Do you know? Uh, I could look it up. Yeah. While you do your thing. When but, you told uh, me, like, before we started uh, recording, you told me that, well, that's how long this movie was, 245. Yeah, we were talking about some other movie. You're like, I don't know, that seems pretty long. And I was like, yeah, this was the same exact amount of time. Yeah, I guess it's saying a lot because it didn't feel like that to me. Mm-hmm. At all. That's the thing, like, it, when we it finished. It maybe felt like two hours. I didn't maybe. even know what the runtime was going to be. Like, I was like, <laughs> and, and we were watching it, it was over, and it was like, that was three hours. It was like 7.30. Like, what the hell? What? That was that yeah. long. Yeah. <laughs> so and and it did late. such a good job oh, of like sinking you into what was happening. And it both felt real and fantastical at the same time. And you just like lose, you lose track of your own time in the time that they've created. In in a sentence, it's a little bit more true to La La Land than La La Land. Fuck La, yeah. La Land. Uh, I like that movie, but that's uh, okay. But so for the, for Hateful Eight, depend, there's two run times. If you watch the road show or if you watch the regular cut. So the regular we saw cut, the road show. I, we watched the road show together. Yeah, you bitch. What? That's why I just uh, said I we saw the road show. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I want to be with you. He, he took an attack out of something that was like oh, confirming. Oh yeah, we saw that together, <laughs> bitch. We saw that together. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Wait, wait, uh, the hateful eight movie, the one you didn't watch. Oh, okay. uh, so the road show is 187 minutes long because uh-huh. there's okay. a 10 minute intermission or yeah. a 15 minute intermission. And then the runtime for the regular one's 168 minutes. Oh, oh, so two and some change, where this is almost three. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Wow. Because uh, Hateful Eight felt longer, yeah. even though it was shorter. Mm. Your, oh. your impressions, Corey. Um, so I, uh, well, I'll save this story for another time, but I accidentally found out a while ago that Brad Pitt was one of my oh, favorite yeah. actors. <laughs> uh, so I was excited going into this. Obviously, love Leo uh, ever since uh, Titanic and Growing Pains. Really, that's where <laughs> yeah. I found him. Wait, so you didn't um, get Growing pains. Growing pains, dude. Uh, so, for me, uh, going into this, I was pretty. I had high expectations. I'm also one of those people who loves reading about like serial killers and how, uh, not in a fun way, but like it's very interesting to me. And we that's why I like did. Mind Hunters so much. I think yeah. it's very fascinating mm. uh, on a, on a very strange level. Uh, I mean, it's probably the same reason people look into like aliens and zombies yeah. and werewolves, whatever. Same, same fashion. Shout out to y'all, y'all who love that murder um, shit. So yeah, well, yeah, I get along with our, my buddy Amanda with on that. Um, but uh, yeah, so so knowing that this was about in a roundabout way about Charlie Manson and and his following was also very intriguing to me. His family. Yes, his family. Excuse me, my bad. Uh, it wasn't anything like I what I expected it to be, mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I don't know if I really had an expectation, I guess, but I know this wasn't it. Um, it was, it's such a character study. There's not much story. Yeah. If you really think about it, there's not a lot. There's two lines happening, right? There's, there's Leo Mm -hmm. struggling with his career. Rick Dalton. And then there's just Brad Pitt living. Cliff Booth. And then Margot Robbie living. That's it. Barely. (laughs) Barely. Barely. So uh, I'll talk, yeah, I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, so it's, it's you pay attention to the characters because mm-hmm. that's what you're given. It's much like, I don't know if you've seen the master, not a whole lot that happens in the master. Like that's riveting. It's, it's all a bunch of character scenes and this is how that, yeah. that, and then, and then I don't mean this is a bad way that it's a character study. Cause I, I love character. Well, studies. it's not, you know, com- compared to what we've been talking about for the last movie madness that we've been going through. Like a lot of it has been hero films and I even superhero films, and, yeah. like just the heroic journey of like, you know, this happens and inciting action and you must defeat the villain at the end of da 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 da. This yeah. is a human like, condition. Like this just, is, yeah, this is like a storyline based on experience. It's yeah. about, it's basically about two friends going through something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And From it's not necessarily the best parts of their life. Uh, yeah. Like, um, 
it's a, yeah, it's at the kind of the end of their what they think is the end of their, their run. Run. Uh, and really, it's the biggest night of their life. Uh, I I walked out. I I loved it. I am a big Quentin Tarantino fan. Um, Reservoir Dogs is probably in my top five, maybe even maybe top ten, but I would think top five favorite films of all time. Wow. Uh, the way I mean, Tom can attest to this. I'm in love with his dialogue. I I when I write, I absolutely try to emulate mm-hmm. that interest. I think interesting dialogue is such a fascinating thing to me. In a weird way, it's more realistic than yeah. a lot of other things. Like I was watched uh, watching a, an essay review talking about like the dialogue that he does compared to like Fargo, mm-hmm. the Coen Brothers. Yeah, like yeah. Coen Brothers, no one actually ever talks the way they talk. Right, and then Tarantino, people talk the way they talk. So like I I am a big believer in the show don't tell, but I am I am such a, also a fan of telling as well. I mean, obviously, big information can't be hidden in those scenes, but you can find out a lot about a character. So, like, I don't know who here has seen Reservoir Dogs. Tipping. Yes. Tipping. Oh, my God. That fucking scene is amazing. And you know everything you need to know about that character in five minutes. Yeah. Um, Mr. Pink. So uh, this didn't quite have as much of that, like, really witty Quentin Tarantino dialogue, but it had precise dialogue and had very right. important purposeful, yes. purposeful character-building dialogue. Which is a little yeah. bit more my strength. Uh, and I left, I left in such, like, a almost to stupefy when I left. I was like, man, I have to digest a lot of that because the last five minutes of it, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. is a lot. It flips yeah. the entire movie yeah. I thought I was watching on its head. Mm-hmm. And I'll go into that a little later. But but I left I left very happy. I will yeah. say that. I, I was not, I don't think I've ever gone to a Quentin Tarantino premiere and been let down and that still stands true. Right. Mm. Ali. Ali. <laughs> Baba. Um, I, uh, I'm a fan of Quentin Tarantino. Um, Huge fan of uh, Kill Bill one and two. Um, haven't seen. Oh, strong female character that kills people. Big surprise! All I wonder kidding. why. <laughs> um, so I, I love Quentin Tarantino because it's entertaining. It's fun. It's it's hyper realistic, but those are the fun things about it. I think. Um, and and again, his dialogue and all that stuff. So going into that, I was kind of again, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know much of a plot. I was like, maybe it's going to be like a fictional biopic kind of thing. Um, but then I was just, I was like, this is like slice of life Hollywood. And I really dug it. I, I sunk in and I, it was filled of, filled with like a lot of great small things, small moments that I appreciated. Um, and it's completely subverted my expectations for what the kind of movie would be until the very end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, there's yeah. And I was like, there's, uh, oh. the, there's a Tarantino I know. Uh, but, you know, it just made me really appreciate him more uh, as a filmmaker in total, in totalium or whatever, because of it's not, it's his stick is not just the hyper violent stuff. It's the really interesting character dynamics. It's the, the shot compositions. The sh- I think this right. is maybe one of his most beautiful films. Right. He's it ever made. looked incredible. Um, yeah. And didn't have any N words in there. Good not job. A single one. Good wow. job. And I was like, it's okay to just cut to Margot Robbie just being a neighbor, folding her clothes and like nothing to happen to her. And I'm like, maybe that's okay because that's like realistic. Well, this like uh, s- this subverted my <laughs> expectations so much that there were scenes that I would go, I would sink in my seat because I was getting ready almost for like every a Tarantino car, moment. Almost every driving and it didn't scene. happen. And I was like, the first couple of driving scenes, I was very anxious because of that. Because I was like, oh, it's gonna it someone's going to like, you know, tailbone him. Um, T-bone. T-bone him, whatever. Tailbone. Tailbone. <laughs> Freak your milk gonna, and tailbone Someone's going to break his tailbone. <laughs> someone's going to milk bone him. And... Uh, <laughs> And I like wishbone, but no, it didn't happen. I was like, "This is cool." We're just driving through, listening to music, and like I'm down. I'll have snippets about that. So yeah, about. enjoyed it. it. Was it was a good time? Hmm. 
So cool. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, like boys and movie. girls, uh, everyone in between and outside those spectrums. Uh, those are our impressions. Also, big fan of Never mind. Brad Pitt go. and Leo DiCaprio, so that doesn't hurt. And Margaret. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys. <laughs> uh, so that will bring us later to our brief synopsis production. And then we get to the meat and potatoes of the show. Is our favorite parts? I'm doing the brief synopsis. Let's do it. So, oh boy, we start with an interview of uh, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth doing uh, talking about their show, uh, the where the fuck Bounty, Bounty, Bounty Law, Bounty Law, Bounty Law, and it's like all shot in four three aspect ratio and in sepia or gray, black and white, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, about like their <laughs> dynamic uh, of him being uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character being an actor and Cliff Booth being the guy who carries his load. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And we follow Rick Dalton through kind of the life and times of being an after actor. That show, yeah, after that point of being an actor and trying to make his way into the the, the film world. And uh, we find out that Rick Dalton can't drive anywhere because he lost his license. And Cliff Booth drives him around and has well, his he's car. Done, well, he's done film. It's just that he's becoming washed up. He's not yeah. being po- cast in He can't anymore. make the transition. Yeah. Um, and so we get Cliff Booth, who pretty much like drives him around and does a lot of his like errand boy shit because they're kind of a tag team duo, and he's a Cliff Booth's a good friend. Um, we also find uh, this weird love triangle between Sharon Tate and uh, Emil Hirsch's character. I forget his real name. Jay Sebring, I think. Yep, Sebring. Um, and how she's married to Roman Polanski and left America to make a film with Roman Polanski, and she lives next door to Rick Dalton, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. And so every throughout the film we'll see Cliff and Rick Dalton's you know day or night and all that stuff but we'll get Sharon Tate's experience of her film career picking up mm-hmm. um, her, from her being uh, trained from Bruce Lee to do action films uh, or to do action sequences and then watching herself in the movie theater X, Y, and Z uh, and we also get their like little parting life light, uh, high life and all that stuff but throughout the point you know Rick Dalton's having that trouble of like becoming washed up finding less He's value in cast himself. as more and more villains for uh, new and up and coming and stars this is, to fight this is highlighted uh, from the very beginning with Al Pacino's introduction talking about like hey they're bringing you in at the end of every episode as the villain and now you're just gonna be kind of like guy. where your career goes to die you're just becoming this guy who everyone beats up you know you're not the new hero you're the old, you're the villain because you were the old hero and you know he's a bunch of pilots and TV shows that he's been a part of but they're not really doing enough for him and so he has that actor anxiety and everything like that and cliff booth happens to walk around and see the life of la and sees uh some of the imprints of the manson family so from hitchhiking girls to going to spawn ranch and to you know trying to visit people who he worked with in in the film industry and uh seeing how they're getting kind of affected by the whole manson family lifestyle and it all ends in a great uh bloody uh fight sequence um, a la tarantino a la tarantino style um, where uh, the film ends with Rick Dalton, you know, at his house next to Sharon Tate, um, and she's not dead. Spoilers, yeah, everyone. Alternate In fact, where Cliff Booth goes to the hospital, and you know, the, the end of their friendship because years, uh, months have passed, and Rick Dalton has made Actually, spaghetti western films. I would say it's the beginning of their friendship. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't know. It's a because fictional story. We'll in, find out. Yeah, I guess it, what I got from that is that that's where Leo sees him more than just the someone he works with. His driver. That's his actual friend now. Yeah. Because of that one line. What? I'll come with you. I'll leave. He's about to like leave yeah. his wife. No, he says, you're yeah. a good friend. You're he's a good like, friend. And he says, I try. I try. And he's um, going to go visit him with bagels in the morning. And uh, mm-hmm. throughout so the, at the beginning of the film, Rick Dalton's like, oh my God, I live right next to Rowan Polanski, one of the greatest directors of all time. He's like, I'm just one pool party away from meeting him. And then finally this event gets him to meet Jay Sebring, who is in love with Sharon Tate. There was kind of a pool party. I'm just kidding. It was. <laughs> uh, and then he gets, uh, no. he gets invited. <laughs> there uh, was. <laughs> no. He gets his own sad. pool party. 
That shit was fire. It was lit. No, it was lit. No. And some people got smashed. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it ends up leading with Rick Dalton's character going to uh, Roman Polanski's house, and it ends. There's credits. Yeah, mm-hmm. he gets invited up to meet uh, Tate and cool. All that. Good job. All right. So thirty seconds. Production side of it, uh, distributed by Sony Pictures. Uh, director Quentin Tarantino. Wow. Really? Huh. Uh, no, he's known for Reservoir Dogs and Glorious Bastards, Kill Bill, a uh, bunch of other films. He also wrote from Dust Till Dawn. No, keep, keep going. So I'm just going to have those. that in there. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll keep it in there. Uh, uh, produced by David Heyman, Harry Potter films, Gravity, Paddington. That's, that's, a huh? Josh, that's Josh's favorite movie. Apparently, uh, because I said I like that movie, that's yep. my boy. If you like it, it's your favorite. <laughs> do you? Okay, do you not like Paddington? Is that no, what you're I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. So, you so heard you, it here first. Josh doesn't so, like Paddington. So Josh hates Paddington, everyone. Uh, that's what you also get, Josh. produced by Shannon McIntosh, <laughs> who produced Tusk, Meet the Blacks, Tar- and other Tarantino films. Uh, also produced by Quentin Tarantino, Planet Terror, Iron Monkey, My Best Friend's Birthday, Screenplay, Quentin Tarantino, True Romance. True Romance. True romance. It's romance. about a room who falls in love with another room. Death Proof, Natural Born Killer. Uh, cast, Brad Pitt from Seven and in. So seven. Uh, Burn After Reading, the Ocean series, and Fight Club. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Departed, Django, Wolf of Wall Street, and Titanic. Uh, Margot Robbie. I'm just adding ones on there, by the way. Yeah, those I do three. You, those of you at home. Because it goes long. Uh, Margot Robbie, Suicide Squad, Focus, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Al Pacino, Heat, Insomnia, The Godfather, Devil's Advocate, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Live Free, Die Hard, Girl Next Door, Hitman, also Santa Clarita Diet, which is amazing. Uh, Emil Hirsch, Girl Next Door, Lords of Dogtown, Speed Racer, Bonnie and Clyde TV series. Uh, mm. Michael Madsen, Reservoir Dogs, who just steals the show in that movie. He's, yeah. also, uh, uh, he's his boy. Also, his car stars in this. Does the, it really? The, the Cadillac is, is his? his car. That's Michael Madsen's? Yeah. Woo, girl. Look at right? you. Uh, Sin City and Species, Dakota Fanning, Man on Fire, I Am Sam, War of the Worlds. Shout out to Dakota. We met her once at a coffee shop. She was very nice. Uh, mm. Austin Butler, uh, Shannara. Chronicles? Shannara Chronicles. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's a TV show. Yeah. I like it. Yoga Yo- Hosers, which is Kevin's, Kevin Smith's, right? Yep. Yoga Hosers. Yeah. yeah. You skipped Kurt Russell. I. You wow. fucking buried the lead. I got this. With uh, uh, the Carrie Diaries, Bruce Dern, Nebraska, Cowboys, The Burbs, Luke Perry, RIP, final film. final film from uh, Beverly Hills, 90210, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, eight seconds. And my personal favorite, Kurt Russell from The Thing, baby. Big Trouble in Little China. I'm not even Can't reading win. what you put. Guardians no. of the Galaxy 2, Never. Hateful Eight, and Stargate. Uh, budget is $96 million. So far, opening weekend has grossed 40.4 as of right now. Oh, million. nice. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, 86 for critics. Audience, 73%. How about the runtime? Wow. The one was released. Uh, oh, sorry. I did skip a line. Runtime, 161. Uh, released July 26, 2019. So it's shorter than Hateful Eight by yeah. seven minutes. I, I don't know why I did my math so poorly. I don't know why either. <laughs> I didn't want to stop you when you guys were all time. I was like, I'm going to let you You should have. Because that was embarrassing. <laughs> no. You guys should read. Favorite parts. Uh, the movie. So the funny thing. So I the the end. We'll just talk about the end a little bit. Ultra yeah. violence. I never want to fucking cross Brad Pitt ever. Because uh, oh it made God. him look like he was. He could probably rip out Captain America's heart. Uh, in an oh. um, but it, it actually reminded me a lot of Pulp Fiction. Where with the sequence between Uma Thurman and John Travolta, where it's like a benign kind of night, some little it, it, like embarrassing moments happen, and then and then fucking super intense, like putting adrenaline in someone's heart because they have a fucking uh, yeah. OD moment. I was like, Holy yeah, she shit. thinks it's coke, but it's heroin. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I really just you know love the you know juxtaposition of that being like the you know 
the and he's final an moment. Yeah, he's laughing and, through the whole thing. I yeah. know you. Um, <laughs> but also like the whole just Rex, just <laughs> bam, just boom, yeah. boom, all the dog stuff, and then so good. I I really was dreading that moment because I knew it was going to happen. I knew I was like fuck, this is where the murder is going to start happening. And I love these characters. At this point of the film, I, I was like, no one deserves to die. They might be a little shitty here and there. Because we see them kind of struggle through the whole thing. Yeah, but they try to be or some, be good. They try to be somewhat right. good people. Yeah. Right, and it's yeah. like Tarantino films try really hard, not try really hard, but they do really well to embellish the bad qualities of humans. Mm-hmm. And this film was like they'd have done bad things here and there. Well, he likes they, underdog stories. Yeah, and flawed uh, characters. This allowed them to be like, hey, they're not perfect, but they're good. And I was like, I really don't want these people to die now. Yeah, and then especially Cliff, you're like, why no, yeah. don't kill Cliff and, and the dog? Yeah, and yeah. then it clicked uh, when it started happening. I was like, oh, he's uh, he's on acid and stuff. I was like, also at the beginning of the film, they showed the sequence with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio being the the, the Nazi burn with the flamethrower. I was like, oh shit! And Glorious Bastards ended with us killing Hitler. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, burning oh, Hitler fuck. alive. Yeah, he's like, this may be completely different. I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. uh, for me, I I loved that. I mean, the can throwing oh, the can my was my, my favorite oh. part of the whole like. Of the whole movie, that made, the entire theory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. It was so slapstick that I couldn't yeah. help but love it. Uh, but like that, the thing I love about that scene mostly is that this whole movie subverts your expectations twice, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Or at least it did for me. So when I went in here, I thought we were getting a story about the Tate murder from a third party perspective, the people who live next door to Sharon Tate. Like I thought right. that was enough was an interesting concept alone. I was like, oh, that's a, that's kind of cool. How did it affect the rest of Hollywood? Yeah. Uh, and then when they decided, when Rick went out and yelled at them, and I was like, oh, no, this is Tarantino's universe, right? Where we burned mm-hmm. Hitler alive in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. So what if they're the ones who get murdered? This whole time we've been watching a first-person experience for this. And I was like, oh, my God. And then they subvert no, the expectation no. a second time where <laughs> nobody gets murdered. Yeah. Except for the murderers. Except for the murderers. Uh, so Hippies. I thought that was such an impressive bit of writing that I that's what I left the theater talking the most about. And I was like, this was a... I think that's part of the reason I don't remember what my expectations were because I thought it was a completely different it film. It just slapped yeah. you with a different mm. Yeah, it was just... By the way, you thought it was this? Wrong. Wrong again! Like, real quick. <laughs> Wrong, bitch! Uh, and that doesn't happen to me very much in cinema anymore, and I was so I really appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. Um, I have a lot of other favorite parts, but let's go around the table. Um, I really enjoyed... There is, there's a sequence in which... So Rick Dalton f- finally gets cast as something that's kind of, like, serious for him. He gets to kind of... Descartes 2. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was um, Dakota. Dec- um, <laughs> and he's really... He's getting prepared for it and everything, but there's this... I love scenes within a scene, yeah. and they're playing the scene out, and then it's like that line. Line. Like, they break <laughs> it, and you're like, what? But the next thing, and uh, pulling back the veil a little bit, is when he goes into his trailer, and he's yeah. ta- like he's having this conversation with himself. Yeah. And, I mean, it gets, it gets so really, good. really heavy, but I was like, I mean, I haven't gone to that level, but I've had those conversations oh, yeah. with my, myself where I'm like, you stop yeah, drinking. thanks, Josh. <laughs> yeah, way to go. Yeah. Thanks, other Josh. You know, it's like, uh, and I just watching, like, pretty much that whole sequence of him filming that that movie. Yelling at himself in the mirror, Yelling at too. himself, talking to the little girl. I'll blow your brains out tonight if you don't get <laughs> me But then the thing is, he looks at the mirror, but it's spiking the camera. Yeah. So yeah. he's looking yeah. straight through the barrel of us. So yeah. it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And then, like, it's just the whole sequence of that that film within a film of him being kind of respected on set and he's like after he's felt so washed up and all, all of us and this could be like 
we don't know, of course, but this could be like an Oscar-worthy thing for him. Like all of a sudden, he's gets this great acting role, and it was just as a as an actor, I'm like, that's really cool. Yeah, like just to see like he can dance for he grandma. Can, he can dance for grandma. I thought the I mean the scene with him and the little girl was phenomenal. Oh, like he's yeah. describing the book, and then oh, he starts yeah. realizing it's about himself. And my favorite part of that is the shot over his shoulder because it's the longest shot in the scene. Which one? It's the shot over the shoulder where they're having the conversation. Oh, yeah. And she still have the book over it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, not a lot of films do that mm-hmm. anymore. A lot of films, it's like, hey, let's cut it all it's as the one much. where he's telling the story Let's put what's happening. Let's throw all the fucking coverage we can in it to show that we got it. And then it's mm-hmm. like, no, you you don't need it. Just fucking do the one dialogue scene, and then you'll get the performance out of it. It's, it's magnitude of a director's caliber to be like doing yeah. that kind of shit where it's like, no other film, no other director's doing that right now because studio mandate. Yeah. Also, the the shot of them of him and um, justified guy. Oh, Timothy Olyphant. Timothy, Timothy Olyphant. He's who dead I guy. Love, but he's a live free die hard guy. That's true. <laughs> Either way, the diet guy. Uh, the scene with them like acting, and then him line that whole line thing. Yeah. Like, that was all. I, th- I think I'm pretty sure that was all one shot. Like it was like and they single take. Oh, move the camera oh. around his head. No, they like, cut. Still, oh, that part they cut. they cut. Oh, okay. No, he's talking about the talking movement about the movement around, around Timothy Olyphant's head. Where they reset the shot. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, they yeah. reset the shot. That was one shot. Yeah, that's so like they did. Two takes, like, mm-hmm. but within like one shot. I thought that was. It was cool. really well done. Yeah. What? No, nothing. One shot. I know you're talking. About, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we tried to do a one shot. We didn't tried yet. We, we were talking it. about it. We nailed a one shot. We I did a one that, shot sketch. I read that assembly on this movie only took four and a half hours. What? And I was like, it's a shot in the back lot on actual really back lot. <laughs> that like, sounds amazing. What? That's, well, well, the, that's they must have, they must have had to really know like the editor. Okay, exactly. this goes. Yeah. Well, the thing about Tarantino is that he started a little like. You know, Harvey Keitel caught him his like real big like financial push, but you know he's been writing films for a while, and like he worked, he works a lot with the editors, yeah. and like editors and him have have, have had. He also knows what takes he wants to use, yeah, because yeah. he has a saying. And I was actually reading different uh, audition processes for this movie, and I can go into a little bit about that. Talk about it if we'd like uh, after we get through the favorite parts. Never but uh, one of the things they mentioned, and your friend also mentioned this about the saying on set, where who he the fuck's my friend? Didn't you say your friend worked on Hateful Eight? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, you didn't start with, like, Hateful Eight. I'm like, uh, oh, Your friend who worked with Quentin Tarantino. And then some, one of the actors was talking about it. He goes, he always gets the shot he wants, and we do one more. Why? Because we, we love, love making movies. Films. And all the people on set have to say it. Wow. And then they do one more take. So he knows the take he wants, but he goes, I'm going to do one more just in case maybe that's the one. So I yeah. think he marks... And yeah. sends it off and goes, these are the takes I want. And then wow. it's up to the editor. So he's organized. Yeah. <laughs> I love he's that. Official. Well, no, he's, he's, a, he's, in, he's purposeful. He's, inten- he's, he's intentional. He's not, you know, throwing things at the last minute. You know, he's mm. like, these are the it's shots very, that I need. Well, yeah. I mean, you can, it's very evident. Watching. Like Kevin Smith also has spoken about that where he's like on Supergirl and then he, like, he knows like this scene will get cut. It's like, I'm not going to shoot it. And because he's, yeah. he's an indie filmmaker. He's like, I write and direct my own shit. Because so he I know wants to get I'm people... Also kind of like thinking for the people that work for him, like, how can I get everybody to go home? Out. It's like, if I mm-hmm. got it, mm-hmm. why do I need to do mm-hmm. yeah. more saves coverage? Money. Well, it like, saves. even nowadays, like, when I when I watch, like, deleted scenes for anything, you'll you kind of immediately know why it was cut. And so I feel like if you're a seasoned writer and filmmaker, you kind of know what's going to get cut yeah. ahead of time, and you can Especially avoid those kinds of things. Favorite yeah. parts for you, Kaylin? The mm. violence? No. The scene no. in which Brad Pitt takes his shirt off? No. No. Wow. No? Okay. That no. was the for me. It, was, I liked, it I liked, really was. I like the feeding the dog scene. Oh, oh the yeah. first one. The yeah, in the trailer. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, I also really liked. Is that a wine? Showing the um, gun on the table in his trailer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but my brain was like, 
uh, went back to the whole don't show a gun if you're not going to use it, which he didn't end up using it, using it, but he ended up being the weapon. Yeah. In yeah. a way. Well, so it was well, like So that that rule would be it's fine if it's like a off to the side kind of thing because it wasn't right. just a shot of a gun. Right. Usually that only applies to like let me show you a close up of this gun. Right. And then don't use it. But yeah. Yeah, I but like, but I like, like the analogy the for it. Well, it's, it's yeah, production design. And the the they did that with the flamethrower mm-hmm. as well. Like they showed it way back in the beginning. Like everything was so. They well actually showed woven. it twice. They show it in the shed as well. When Brad Pitt goes to get the tools. Oh really? It's behind him the whole time on the. Oh road. yeah. I had never. So it's foreshadowed that. twice. Huh. But yeah, they they wove everything together so well. Purposeful. That, yeah, it was very purposeful. And at the very end, um. When it had that once upon a time in Hollywood, everything that had happened, my brain was just going, yeah, that would happen here. That, that would 100% <laughs> happen in Hollywood LA. 100% <laughs> happen. Um, I also really liked um, when Cliff and, wow, I cannot remember his name, Rick, Rick got Rick out, of the, out of the car and their shoes were showing mm, of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. these really nice the shoes and the pants. They had like really nice shoes and then like the moccasin type like shoes that looks so comfortable and they look really comfortable <laughs> um but just that told you a lot about one's got different jeans, lives one's got, uh, that they lead and different pants. personalities mm-hmm. very like, different personalities um i mean cliff is just such a good ass doesn't dude. give a shit he's so cool and yeah. he's just so cool <laughs> he's, he's so fucking he's such a good ass dude yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it does talking to george just wanted to check in on you george it does make me wonder about what happened with his wife because he shot her right but no, I know that part. Like he definitely shot her, but, but who knows if it was like a on purpose or she like because she's also talking about how big the waves are and stuff. So I'm wondering if it like hit and then that's then he like I just love that the last that the sh- the last shot is is him, him aiming, w- a aiming harpoon right at her. <laughs> Not her even stomach. aiming, but he is holding it with it facing with it her. very fit. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's like one maybe I one argue. finger move away from making yep. it happen. Yep. Yeah, I also I I really enjoyed watching. Um, Sharon go into the movie theater and like oh, listening yeah. for all the reactions of mm-hmm. when she's on screen because I've 100% done that. Yep. Um, either with like Little Witch when we had a, we watched it with some friends. I was like waiting for anytime I was voicing something being like, well, are they laughing? Did I sound good? Are they going to be like, eh? I would have been, it would have been funny like, oh, this is really good. It's like, that's amazing. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, no. That's <laughs> a lot of classic Tarantino feet shots uh, in the theater. So well. many yes. feet. Do you, he loves feet. He loves you, lady That's feet. safe for Do you know cool. where that scene came from? The, the the movie theater scene. Uh, he did that with his own film. Mm-hmm. He did that with Reservoir Dogs, and then Pulp Fiction was coming out at that point. So he was already getting like, pre- pretty popular. And he went to a theater, and he's like, "Oh, they're still showing Reservoir Dogs." And he was on a date, and he asked, "Like, hey, can I just go in because this is my movie?" They're like, "Who are you?" I was like, "This is my movie." Oh, right. And, and then, he, he had like fans come yeah, up and, and then get stuff signed. People to take, yeah, take pictures. And I was like, "Who's that?" I was like, "Those are his fucking fans." So I was like, awesome. "So I was like having Sharon Tate do that. It's like a little interesting." And uh-huh. she was just coming up at that nod. time. Yeah. yeah. And the reasons why, like, you know, what I talked about earlier, how, like, there was a lot of weird press junket stuff. So one of the main things, I'll just Sorry. talk about it or mention it. Uh, it was kind of played with this weird energy and vibe that, like, a reporter asked, like, why is Margot Robbie, who's your, one of your stars, like, have such little dialogue for being one of the stars of your film? Um, and it's like, do you not like women, X, Y, and Z? And he's like, I reject your thesis and all that stuff. And the way Margot Robbie uh, articulated it, and which I liked how she did it, because, you know, like, it's hard for him to kind of have to defend himself and put the bandaid on. She said, when I read the script, Sharon Tate was the heartbeat of the film. So every time she was on frame, the next scene would talk about like another moment in the entire story. Mm-hmm. And so she was the kind of grounding root of like, what is reality? 
because yeah. all the other I mean Cliff and Rick are fictional characters. It's really interesting because mm-hmm. the whole movie takes place most of the movie, not the whole movie, because uh, like it takes over place of six months, but they only show three days mm-hmm. of the whole film. The first mm-hmm. introduction three days we of get February is that meeting with Al Pacino, and then the next day is ninety percent of the film, and then it's the six months later flying back from doing night all the, of yeah. yeah night of. So it's really trying. it doesn't feel that way, but it it's just three days, mm-hmm. yeah. which is really fascinating to me. What about you, Ollie? Your favorite parts? Um, Next, my favorite parts was definitely the trailer scene of him yelling at himself. I yeah. love that. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Um, no, stop drinking. Starts drinking <laughs> out of the flask. Uh, I really liked the tire change scene. Oh, like, oh I yeah! I ate it up. Like the way he. Like he's like fix it, and then he just starts laughing like an idiot, and then he just I'm just like punches as soon as I think it I think it actually cuts to a shot of like his feet from the back walking towards. I'm like, all right, here we go. (laughs) Is this no bullshit? He's about to be a badass. Yeah, Yeah, I'm gonna watch. I was like, this is a Tarantino movie. I know some shit's gonna happen to this guy. Mm And it was just it was classic. I love it. Sound of the punch on that one more Just like all that hurt. That a little bit of the crack, but then also it's like. Can you at least give me a rag so I can clean my face? I was like, no, no. Tire first. first. I was like, you're. Oh yeah, tire a first. I mean, not clean it first. Tire first. Yeah, that um, was that was intense. That was well, because he also just got uh, from seeing his buddy George being taken total advantage of. Yeah. in a yeah. sense, which is yeah. true. Yeah, which is a true story. It's mm-hmm. a, that was a real thing. And uh, George what's, Spine what, got what's his name? Fucked. Pinky or Squishy? Squishy. Squeaky. Squeaky. With like who? Had Pinky n- or Squishy? Yeah, yeah. neither. Uh, she had like named all the people who they, what they were like Pussycat and all that shit. Yeah. Which is like she really did. Yeah, that's how they get, took advantage of George. She just slept with him. It was interesting like, to see the reality versus the fiction. Yeah, yeah. Inserting fiction into reality. And I, I also liked any like honest any scene that Brad Pitt was driving the car. Yeah, just like nothing really going on. He's just getting point A to point B. But like, you get to oh, see, that's Forest Lawn Drive. That's oh, that's right. You really get to cool. see Hollywood. You get to see Boulevard. L.A. You get the radios playing with the commercials, and you know about that with the commercials and all that. What? So Tarantino wanted to recreate times that he was driving with his dad. Mm, um, interesting. And he was saying like, before you weren't scrubbing through channels. You would like play a station, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And when the commercials came out, you didn't turn it down or didn't change it. You would just talk over it. Yeah, and so he's like, I want to recreate that in the Hollywood that I remember. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Also, I like that. what was the Batman commercial about at the end? Was that just like a thing <laughs> so at the time? I mean, something. Batman was huge at the time. Yeah, I so, get that. I was yeah. like, it's just I think it's just I one think, more radio I, commercial, but you're convinced that it's. I was like, no, going- I, I think to me, Tarantino is very purposeful. I think it's actually like him talking about the end of Hollywood. Because he doesn't like he doesn't like superhero films. He doesn't appreciate like where mega blockbusters are. Because mm. it's kind of like he I think he kind of sees it as lazy. Where I mean like in blockbuster films are popcorn films, right? And so mm. like that kind of started it. The first Batman craze, like Batmania is a thing. If you look at Batmania, it's like equivalent to Beatlemania. Um and it started like where the blockbusters were for for superheroes. And like there has been times where like he kind of has pointed the finger at certain studios and be like your release of this film is tanking my film, and I blame you. Wow. And it's like hit or miss. Well, it's like stuff like Disney buying out Cinerama back when, for whatever that was. Yeah. That was a cool shot, removing the stuff behind the dome. Yeah. It's interesting mm-hmm. to see, like, oh shit, did they get it was, the production design for that or did they CGI remove that? There was CGI had to remove it. During the scenes when they were like establishing shots of like going through Hollywood, like the scene where we saw the Cinerama Dome, there was an older couple that was next to me in the theater and I just heard, oh, It just made me go, oh, <laughs> they're remembering, like, and, but uh, a couple of things that I really, another couple of things that I really love about this movie are kind of overarching is the way that 
the music was used. Mm. Um, I'm a big fan of not just having a soundtrack that is just kind of like this we get outside of the movie, one. like outside of the movie, oh, like there's a soundtrack. When it's mixed into the scene as well, like when they're, there's a, they're driving and there's this song that is a part, it's the soundtrack. But when it flips to them inside the car, it's coming from the radio. Yeah. Or the final scene of the movie, they're watching something on TV and the soundtrack of what is happening on TV becomes the soundtrack of the scene. Right. Uh, and it was almost, it wasn't horror-y, it was like suspenseful. Well, and it was, I just, for me, that's my favorite kind of, if you're really going to use sound design and and music, like, like I believe like, Anything called love. When I work, when I work on a film, wow. and somebody will say, "Oh, we'll get you the the music later," I'm like, "Then I'm not going to start yet, because I need the music. Because the yeah. music might inform a sound design decision." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's always I love when it's used, right, in, right, in a creative way. I, I've talked about this before. Do you remember the the code word or the cue, the hot word, mm-hmm. diegetic, diegesis? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, Forget what it means, though. So Scorsese will quote it, and I think you know uh, Tarantino is definitely a disciple of him, as well as uh, fucking another film, a French filmmaker, though. Uh, meaning is constr- uh, constructed out of what's in and outside of the frame. Diegetic music, diegetic sound is from what's in inside the frame, and non-diegetic is outside the frame. Mm. And so what he's doing, he's meshing those two meanings together. Like what else is he doing? Creating meaning between the fiction and non-fiction. Right. So like those are the things again. Not a lot of filmmakers do nowadays, which is like, it's so refreshing to see someone that's actually intent and purposeful mm-hmm. and not just slapping a fucking song on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, like in, um, it's like in Guardian, it's in Endgame where they show Chris Pratt dancing. <laughs> oh, And yeah. like, you think it's this the title of music again, but then you realize that it's what he was listening to when it cuts and it's just him on, on his headphones or whatever. Yeah. I also appreciate Tarantino's, uh, the design of credits. Yeah. I, oh, uh, yeah. Title really cool. sequences... I just love because I actually these movies of like the 60s and the 70s. I actually there were a lot that I grew up on, and you just remember like the way the titles were well, mm-hmm. uh, designed. And I'm always like, I just love how he plays homage to those. And that to me, what's the one thing the Academy Award fucking loves themselves? Yeah. So this is for sure gonna get like a fucking best picture nom. Yeah, and I, it's like I, no it's, doubt. It's a little sad because if you make a movie about L.A. at all, fucking you're there. Collateral. Wow. Uh, Two Fate. fun facts about uh, this movie. There's two little... Easter, one of them is not really that hard to spot the Easter egg, which is the red apple cigarettes. Mm-hmm. They do a whole entire ad of it. Cigarettes? During the end of it, which is amazing because those are in every single Tarantino film. It's like having the big Kahuna burger or anything like that. Uh, the other one, which was a little more under the radar, and fans of Inglorious Bastards might notice this, mm-hmm. when he starts doing the Italian spaghetti westerns, one of the directors is Antonio Margaretti, which is... Who one mm-hmm. of the guys, the three people impersonates in Inglorious Bastards? Yeah. It was Margaretti. Yeah. So you have Brad Pitt who goes Gorlami, and then you have uh, <laughs> I think Eli does it right. Mm-hmm. He's Margaretti, uh, and so I just thought that was a nice little nod to have mm. that in there. It's the same universe. Attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same universe. Yeah. It's a universe that didn't have Hitler. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because that director went up making films. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He went on to go make and films. He probably so made- my other question is: Did does that mean Charles Manson's still at large? Maybe. I was going to say... Maya, I mean, there were a few other murders, I was going to say too. maybe Maya Hawk grows up to become Uma Thurman and then gets the in a movie and made a movie about her and then that works <laughs> in the Kill Bill world. Can, can, so, awesome. can I ask to be the the um, 
uncultured swine in yes. this, in the sense of like you want to know about the Tate murders. I didn't know anything about any of the characters, and mm-hmm. like halfway through, I'm like, the only name I I recognized was Roman Polanski. And as soon as it was said, I was like, oh shit, is everybody real? So Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth are not real. Rick Dalton, okay, so they're, they're fake. Queen. Everyone else is real. Everyone else is real. Pretty, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent. What about the movies Brain. that they named? No, are all no. real? Those no, are fake. no, um, those are the real. one with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio losing to uh, Steve McQueen, McQueen. Yeah. Uh, is real. Is That's real. a real movie that they put him in. Right. The Nazi one where it's like, I got a jacket. I'm a captain. You got two weeks. Or he's in front of like all the fucking internment camp. Where the fuck it is? He's talking to mm-hmm. Timmy Olyphant. He's like, Didn't you get that? Almost get that role? He's like, yeah. Not really. But he's. That's a real movie. That's a real movie. But they put him they in put it. Him, they put him. They digitally it was like erased a Steve what, McQueen. It was another what if. Like they uh, put him in that movie yeah. as if he were uh, in but it. He land, get it and, but he didn't get no. it. No, they're, it's a uh, what if. It's like a, they're talking about the it? what if he had gotten it. What it would look what like. It, what would it be like if him he didn't acting go to in Steve McQueen? That kind of no. thing. Steve McQueen. Uh, I thought he lost to it in the movie though. He did. He did. He didn't get it. He's saying it's a what if. He didn't lose it. We're not seeing it in oh, reality. Sorry. Let's just move on. It's okay. Uh, I lost something somewhere. It's okay. Uh, and then the show that they're doing with the beans and shit with the Dakota is a real show. Yeah. Uh, so, so like, oh, okay. uh, George Spahn is a, was a real person, and that's really where the Manson family had their family It's a trip ranch. to look at it. That's uh, where it was? Yeah. That was okay. all a real thing. Like, the guy George really was, was he taken to be, advantage of. Was he supposed to be Manson? No, no. He, he was a real person. George? Yeah, George was George. The George blind, Spawn the is the guy? real person. Yeah, was the real person played by Bruce Dern. Yeah, okay. The old uh, Laura Dern's dad. So who was was Charles Manson in this? No. Yeah, he gets he, out of the ice cream like truck and he minutes. goes up to Sharon Tate's house. Oh. And he's like, I'm looking for so and so and so. He's looking for Terry, and that's yeah. a true thing because yeah. Terry, like, and then they actually knew. And then he sends like he, Charlie said to go to Terry's house and kill everyone in there. Yeah, Char- Charles Manson. He he's came to Hollywood. Like oh right, because she kept saying Charlie would love you. Yeah, yeah. And it's Charles Manson. Um. Oh. Charlie Manson actually came to Hollywood to try to be a star. Mm-hmm. He was a musician and everything, and it did not go well. And that's what kind of turned him. I mean, started hating Hollywood. Hating and Hollywood. That was that and whole thesis with the girl saying, like, "We should kill the people who taught yeah. us how to murder." I, I mean, fun fact about the actor that plays Charlie Manson um, for like a couple minutes. Fucking. Uh, uh, we're getting a new season of Mindhunter. I think in a couple of weeks oh, yeah. or sometime. Oh, no. And he plays Charlie Manson oh, in that as well. Oh, so weird. He's getting so two we, years we, of like We just two blended things. the universes? Yeah, it's yes. the Tarantinoverse. <laughs> but yeah, he's in it for a few minutes. He like okay. waves at uh, Cliff yeah. Yeah. on he's, top he's, of the roof. And he was the, he actually did drive around in a yeah. hostess truck. Yeah. Hostess um, truck. Wow. So on that night, what was supposed to happen mm-hmm. was the, I think it was three people. Yeah, yeah it was three people. Yeah, broke into the Tate house. There was a fourth one that never, that didn't actually. That was a real thing too. they knew Tate. From no, they just no, knew that. They knew that Charlie sent them in, there it was to the Terry's location one. specifically in Terry's house. Charlie said, "Go to this house and kill anyone yes. who's in it." So they Got actually it. killed all four of those people who were there. I think they killed eight people that night. Jesus. Six people. Well, I mean, people were pregnant. Uh, neighbors as well. But like two of them okay. got out to the lawn, the front, and were chased down and killed out front with stab wounds. And Jesus. Sharon Tate was murdered. Uh, Sebring was murdered. The other two friends were also murdered that night, and all three of the people were caught. Mm. Uh, and that's how kind of they found their way to Manson and stuff. In a very yeah, see, I wish shortened I knew version. I should have looked this up beforehand. I think I meant to well, at some point. Here's the thing: then, you got to understand, it's really big. Like it's it's a a big story that with a lot of details mm-hmm. that is interesting. Like check yeah. it out. Yeah. But to be well, fair, I was uncultured on this too. Yeah, like, I didn't know anything it, about Charlie. So Manson I missed out on the missed out on the subversion. Yeah, I would say like this: it's like uh, I kept waiting for. It's like not knowing that who Hitler was. Not saying like it's as big of a thing, but right. we're gonna come to an audience point where like kids are not gonna know who the fuck is Hitler. 
Right. Well, I mean, I had a hard time placing. We'll talk about this in Quams, I guess, because you guys are technically qualified as a Quam. But like, what I was like, well, waiting for Margot Robbie's character to do something or for something to happen. To her. I was like, what? Like, so like, I was okay. So if you don't know, you're like, I was like, do know, you're like, oh, okay. Well, to me, I was like the classic Hollywood of when is she gonna run into Leo DiCaprio? Like right. I was waiting for that to happen, and yeah. I was like, "But for people who just did know about that, not. every time she was on screen, I pretty much had a mini heart attack." All of like, our fingers, get I'm sure, yeah. She has no yeah. idea, and so they're building her clenched. up and building her up as this really sweet person. And the whole movie, you're like, "She's gonna die." Should, to me, should like we leaving that night? I was should we like, transfer into qualms since you're kind of bringing uh, yeah, up one of yours? I guess. Skip characters, yeah, favorite characters. No, we can we can wait. Yeah. I was gonna say that at the end when they when he goes up the hill up the gate. To, to me, because I didn't know all now of this storyline stuff. No, I was thinking that um, Sharon is sort of this like fairy godmother almost sort of figure in that like she's going to grant all of, you know. His wishes because he wanted to meet Roman Polanski and all that stuff. Right. I, so, I mean, that's the thing. It's that, once upon a time that could have ha fucking exactly. happened. Exactly. Yeah. So like I, for me, that was kind of fulfilled and being like she didn't need to do anything because she just needed to exist. Yeah. To and, me, that yeah. was, I was like, oh, he, there he's now, he's now with the Mansons, like the family. Like I thought mm -hmm. I was like, Next door, they're like getting more and more people to live with them. Got it. And uh, that's going to be the Charles Man. And like he's out of the frying pan into the fryer kind of situation. Uh, where yeah. Now he's in the, but I obviously um, yeah, didn't know. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah, you could definitely look at it that way where it's like, <laughs> yeah. this is the happiest. Because well, I knew like Charlie, not Charles way, Manson was way. some, I know, I know he, he was had to do it with the it. movie, but I had no idea like where. Right. Yeah. Where, what, was, or how. To Caitlin's point, I was saying, yeah, you could definitely look at it that way where it's like, yeah, it's a happy ending that Quentin Tarantino wants to give us. Right. Yeah, like with Hitler, it's like it's a happy ending he wants to give us. But it's, his is wrought in violence. This is like Lincoln, uh, Rick Dalton's character gets to like, this is the best acting I've ever seen. And then fucking feel good about himself. Right. There's a little pep in his step. Good flash. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> just flash. I heard you say something. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it's 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 definitely worth looking into because the Sharon Tate out of all the Charlie Manson murders is is the most well-known, but there's a lot of interesting things leading up to it that mm. you should check out. There's a lot of things sure. that say sources say this or sources yeah. say that versus like what actually Well, there's happened. also first-hand accounts from the murderers yeah. themselves. Oh. And that's the weird thing when they testified. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and then the one that actually didn't, uh, the fourth person that didn't actually take part of the murders was like the main witness to testify against them. Wow. Yeah. Because mm. she got to have first Which they kind of set up. Yeah. She's the girl from Stranger Things. Yeah. 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 Uh, my Hawk, yeah, Uma Thurman's and Ethan Hawke's uh, you who don't daughter. Know who we're talking about, yeah, uh, Steve's keeps talking about it all the time. Um, Shout out to you, yeah. Uh, favorite, favorite characters, characters. Wanted to see the top three build. I mean, yeah, Cliff Booth for sure. And then side character, the dog, Randy, Brandy? not Kurt, Brandy, Brandy. No, he wasn't in enough. Okay, uh, mine, Cliff for sure. He's just a cool ass dude. I want him to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he's on fucking acid and he's like kicking ass. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and he, when I fire him, he's like, it's okay, man. That's a good. That's a smart decision. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, such a good. Stop ass, being so cool. <laughs> such a good ass <laughs> yeah. dude. So good. Um, and like, you know, he's looking for tail. He gets, you know, he gets the girl on his crotch, and he's like, "No, you're too young." And all that. So like, Can I see some ID? And you're like, "Yeah." I'm like, yep. dude, he's a good ass dude. You don't have any. Went to go check on George, 18. and she was like, "Hey, man, you mm -hmm. don't even remember who I am. I'm just making sure you're okay." We used to work together. It's like just I'm checking, Cliff, making sure you're Cliff all right. Booth. Rick, no. I, uh, and I was like, oh my god, but, like Brad Pitt was like such a smiling through the whole thing. Um. Second is um, uh, who plays the uh, little girl. Oh, yeah. She yeah. was fucking great. She's yeah. she amazing. Phenomenal. Trudy something. Like, she just rubbing on his lap being like, it's okay. Sounds like you're making me cry right now. He's like, you're living li 15 right. years. Punk, he's like, punk. what? Nothing. <laughs> just just teasing. Pumpkin. Pumpkin pie. Like, I don't like puss. names, but I'll accept it. Oh, and then she's like, I was like, are you like 12? Like, I'm eight. 
Like, God damn. We'll talk about that another time. Um, But I just, she was really fucking good. And then, I mean, you have the fucking movie set meme. If everyone at home knows movie set memes on Facebook, that's like a famous meme now where it's like, that was the best acting I've ever seen in my life. And then the <laughs> Rick <laughs> starts no, crying. And then we do that all the time where it's like editing audio. It's like with the podcast, it's like, there's no notes, Josh. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, so fucking good. You know, mm. no more further notes, Ollie, yeah. for your graphics. Yes. They're the best graphics I've ever seen. Wow. It's a real thing when you don't get notes. You're like, like Caitlin, you did it all. You nailed right. all the lip flaps. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, it's so good. Corey, you look nice today. <laughs> Couldn't find the actress's name. Uh, uh, one last thing I want to say, though, is I love that they used actual Sharon Tate footage instead of mm, placing uh-huh. Margo into the. Anyway, I love that. Mm. That's a little, little, little message. Character inside? Cliff Booth. Um, side character, I really liked um, the dog, I think. <laughs> yeah, the dog. The dog. The the actual was weapon. it Brandy? Brand- it's Brandy. 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 Yeah. I heard Randy once. Because I hadn't I heard like, the name in a long time, like just period. So I was like, oh, that's a cool name for a dog. My dog's name, Brandy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had OCD with a tennis ball. Anyway. Yeah, the dog had OCD with yeah. a tennis ball. How about you, Josh? I also like Timothy Elephant's like... His yeah. reactions to like yeah. his outbursts. Um, I would say, yeah, Cliff. He's he's just so good. To, like watching looking. Brad Pitt, good looking. I mean, he's cool as fuck. Good looking. Also, when new he man crush when he jumps on the roof. Welcome aboard, bud. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like, been that way since '99 for me. Is up there. Piece of shit, Bruce Lee. Oh, that was some, that was that's actually one of my favorites. Dent in the car says something different. Yeah. yeah, and you know who that was, right? The woman. Yeah, the wife. She was a stunt stunt woman for all she's of from Death Proof. Yeah, oh. she's she's been nice. in all of his movies as stunt stunt woman, but he and, put her in the he wrote Death Proof for her, and he's wow. been putting her into movies lately. And she was promoted to the like legit fight or the stunt choreographer for this film. Yeah, wow, nice. she's, she's um, great in Hateful Eight too. And then side, I would say, man, it's between the little girl and Timothy Oliphant. I'm a huge uh, Timothy Oliphant yeah. uh, fan. Just anything that he does, I'm like, hmm. He's just, he's so, he has subtle things that he does. and Yeah. He Did just, you watch Santa Clarita Diet? Yeah. Do you like him in that? I do. I it's it's co- it's completely different yeah. than so, what he normally does. Oh, yeah. But anyway. I saw him beat the shit out of Emil Hirsch and, hit, and the girl next door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so. they were in this movie together. That's true. Never had a scene. I think my favorite is Cliff. Yeah. And, um... Side would be the dog, but Jesus. if it had to be a human, I would pick the the wife. I can't remember her name. Is Janet it, uh, or whatever it was. Which wife? The the, the oh, Kurt Italian wife? Kurt, Kurt Russell's, Russell's wife. wife. Yeah, oh, Janet. Yeah. Janet, Janet I think is her name. name. Her real name, I think. No, it, that's not. But um, yeah, like she, her coming in and being like, "This dude murdered his wife. Why yeah. is he here? He dented my car. Make him leave." <laughs> Zoe Bell is the actress's name. <laughs> Yeah, Janet. Zoe it's Bell. another favorite scene shit. where he just reframes <laughs> what she's. And then he's like, "She's like, and get the fuck out of here." And he's like, "I'll handle it. Get your stuff, pack it up, and get off set." And he's like, <laughs> "Love it." Yeah. Uh, uh, also, sh- but also, quick shout out. Not even like a thing. All the fucking people in this movie. Yeah. Like I don't know where fucking uh, Harley Quinn, Kevin Smith's daughter, Daniel Harris is in this shit. Dakota uh, Fanning's on for like five minutes. Lena Dunham's like, in there. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, whoa, where did all these fucking people who are on, not on the, on the billing there? I was like, Jesus. And like Tim Roth is was cut. I was like, fuck. He was cut. Yeah. Do you yeah. see in the title in the credits yeah. it says Tim cut <laughs> Tim Roth Tim Roth cut. That's a that's a so, pain face. In the theater when it said Tim Roth cut, Ollie and I both heard someone go. 
Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Love Tim like, Roth. Oh, that Tarant- means they shot a scene and then cut it. Well, it's like Tarantino. You forget about him since you got Christoph Waltz. Fuck. No, he did Eight for Eight. Yeah, but he's that character is very Christoph Waltzy. Yeah, but I liked it. Be- but I like. Here's I the love thing. Tim Roth though. I, I love Christoph Waltz. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But in I heard that he hates him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Just want to know what role he, he played. He was the same fucking character in both the Tarantino films. That's Tarantino's fault. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, I mean, it's 50-50, right? He's not written the same. It's written very differently, but it's acted the same. It's, it's a 50-50 partnership with the actor and the director on that one. I mean, if Tarantino think, brings Jamie Foxx into a room and tells him to stop with that shit, I think he could tell that to I was so sure he would have been great happy. in this. I like how so they had to credit. when Eli, uh, Eli Roth. I like how they had to credit uh-huh. Sharon Tate. You know what I meant. Yeah, for Tim likenesses. That's a credit for Sharon like- Tate because she's in the movie, technically. Yeah, for likenesses. Yeah. yeah. That's a well, big deal with Hollywood. It's not technically. I mean, they used her footage. Yeah, it's, she's in it. She's yeah. in it. For uh, sure. So now qualms. 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 Things we had problems with. Uh, you want to start first? Mine, your thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't I mean, know history. I had very, yeah, I don't know history. So that's, I guess, on me, but I feel like maybe not it's on, you. on me because <laughs> it's a thing being presented to me that should contain all the information, but. Like a cinematic universe. Sure. Uh, I only agree with that 50%. Yeah. So, so that's the thing. It's like I'm conflicted Snap. too because I, I feel like I should have looked up a little bit. If and you maybe, knew Charlie Manson was in maybe it, it's and a you bit know more... nothing about Charlie Manson, yeah, that's that'd be like going well, to see that'd be like going to see you know not quite a biopic but a movie that centers around right someone. Well, I didn't think it would center around him. Is I guess yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that was the only thing where I didn't know. The, the only negative effect that had was that I didn't. I, I was just you didn't like, know what to I don't know what well, I don't know what Margot Robbie's character was going to be or do right. Um, so I was, you, uh, you don't get the full effect. Well, I mean, but it was still a positive effect overall because I was like, oh, it's just it's just the reverse of what's happening with Rick Dalton. So I can appreciate that, and it's just showing her like living her life right next door. That it's like Hollywood is that volatile that you know anything can happen. Yeah, your next door neighbor can be an Oscar winner, and you're right. like struggling to just try to. You're doing the same thing, right? Exactly. It's looking over so the fence. That's yeah. kind of how I interpreted it. So I guess I still got sort good, of it's still a good interpretation, you know, yeah. what was intended. But I just missed that. I wish I kind of knew, so I would, so I would have that suspense of like, yeah. oh shit, is it? Are they aiming? Are they going to get the wrong? Like, if I knew that, I would have been like, oh, are they going to go to the wrong house and kill the wrong people? Like, and that's yeah. gonna be interesting. I was like, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even say like it's it's freaked commonplace knowledge and knowing it's a big event, mm-hmm. and that's why I said it's freaked like a Marvel movie. But it almost doesn't matter because it's just like you understand what kind of movie this is, like ten minutes in. Yeah, and you're okay. Well, like, the for- I was okay. The with- foreground drama is Rick Dalton, right? You know, like that's what it's supposed to be. And then you fall in love with Cliff Booth, and yeah. then it's all on the background of the fact that like these are real events in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. yeah, if you don't if you don't get the full effect, it's fine. It's like watching Jaws and not really think sharks can eat people. Mm-hmm. They don't a lot of the right. time because because it's like a slower most of the time unless you look like a seal. Because it's like longer scenes and there's there's a lot of which like hanging movies. on scenes because you're just appreciating. Hollywood, so I kind of wrapped it up into that. Into, is like, oh, maybe he never had an intention with that character, and it was just kind of like, just to kind of give you another slice of Hollywood. So your gripe is against yourself? I'm just kidding. I guess so. <laughs> but that's really the only... 50, 50. I think his qualms against his gripe. That's yeah. my only... <laughs> exactly. Wow. If that's wow. what it is, a yin and yang. It's, uh, you guys, it's a qualm yeah. and gripe. Well, we can, you guys might bring something up. So when I watched, I, ta- I watched with Corey, and I don't think it... I don't know if it's the director's intent. Um, when I watched it, uh, fucking late at night because I didn't have any fucking time to watch it, um, the entire theater was packed. And the, during the whole Bruce Lee sequence, and I have a huge respect for Bruce Lee and the martial arts films and all the shit that he brought to American Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. And the sequence in the theater, 
laughs at every single thing that Bruce Lee said. Oh. And I was like, I don't know if it's because the way he's acted or it's the way that Tarantino intended how Bruce Lee to be taken. Yeah. But I, I was think like, that's your theater, dude. Yeah, that no. didn't happen at mine. Um, and I was just like, wow, like it's kind of like, a, like a three hundred people in this room think that Bruce Lee's a chump. And I was like, this kind of sucks. And I was like, I'm like here for the entertainment of it. And fucking Cliff Booth whoops his ass, and I'm going to say that out loud. And that was fucking great. And the fucking stupid like, no, he didn't even touch me. Like, it was fucking great. And I was just like, wow, that's really interesting. And I don't know if that was, like, again, his intent. But it just plays off that way. Mm-hmm. Well, because um, he loves Bruce Lee. Yeah, I mean. Tarantino's yeah. a huge fucking fan of Bruce Well, I think, I think that's why, like, it's, it ended up being a daydream. And then he they, he brings him out back officially to, like, more respectable where he's, like, training people and stuff like that. Well, I, yeah. I mean, that's a flashback yeah. of why he I mean. wasn't allowed on set. That's and I mean, and it, and it reveals a little bit more, like, there was factoids of like Sharon Tate did get trained by Bruce Lee to do action sequences because mm-hmm. he was the be all end all like fight choreographer for Hollywood yeah. um, because of his films and then Jackie Chan like has his company in China now but who also looked up to Bruce Lee yeah so uh, it was just that was an interesting uh, so would you, wait, would you say effect. that's more of a qualm or just like an anecdotal I think that's a uh, a critique that's I, lo- I realized it you know it's like oh shit that's like the effect they didn't have it on me but I, I was able to observe it and I think yeah. it's observable in a sample populace then it's something to talk about yeah yeah I definitely like when Bruce Lee came on I thought that he was like viewed him as a joke and that a little bit yeah. But I was like really surprised that that fucking jawline's strong as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. <laughs> I noticed that too. I was like, what damn. It sounds like. That's. Oh, no, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I guess I just don't understand the characteristic that made it a joke. I don't know either. I, I yeah. will say this like, you know me. I don't fucking laugh at movies no, at yeah. all, which is weird. I don't know. That's weird. Even if it's funny, but like everyone in the fucking theater I think just it was the karate sounds. I don't know. It was like everything he said. It was like, I do this and blah, blah, blah. I, I was like, ours Jesus did. Christ. They didn't laugh at everything. Maybe a couple lines. I think yeah. the only part he they laughed presented at is when Cliff ridiculous. laughs at him. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm not, not going to try to like understand what people found funny, but I just know that that scene caused actually a lot more laughs than I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, than I expected because, you know, Tarantino has a way with comedy and I think Rick Dalton has a lot of comedy sequences in there. So does Cliff Booth. But that was just like roar, uproarious, and I don't know if that's a side effect of what Tarantino would have wanted. You know, it's like yeah. he doesn't want to see like if he intended it to actually yeah, like be he, that. He puts a lot of n words in his movies about slavery, and he's like, "Do you think I used less n words than what would happen, or I used more? Then you out of your fucking mind, right?" Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, then some people find him as a racist, right? But it's like that's not well, his like, intention. So, but that's just something to talk about, right? Yeah. Like, what if he was? Because I personally, I've never watched anything that might be considered like a documentary on Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, I can understand why somebody might think it's funny. I th- I think because um, the way that they presented him is he was kind of over the top, ridiculous, over the top, almost just self righteous in a way, self righteous in a sense. And I've he was super arrogant. Yeah. Like in oh. to a to the end in real life because mm. oh. he could whip everyone's ass. He could whip for everyone's sure. ass. Yeah, I mean there were there were plenty of people who thought that, uh, you know, acting with him in a in a scene where they fought. This is where I'll show him that I can actually pin him, and they would do it, and then he would go one hundred and ten percent and like actually injure the person. Oh, so like he had his warm side too. I mean, there's the whole story that Jackie Chan tells where mm-hmm. he accidentally hit Jackie Chan during a scene in mm-hmm. the face. And like came up and like cradled him. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But anytime anyone challenged him as a person, yeah, he was arrogant as fuck. Hmm. Yeah. So okay. it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a uh, caricature. Caricature. I th- yeah. It's really a part of who he was, but maybe the way. And maybe yeah, not like, know. and this is another thing, kind of like what you were talking about, not knowing about Tate. It's like maybe some of the people are laughing because they don't know anything about Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Could be. And so it's like, oh, ha, 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 ha. That's funny. 
or something like that. I don't yeah. know. He's yeah. badass as shit. Talking he, it out. He, I mean, he was the top dog in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Yeah. That's going to mess with he, you a little he, bit. Yeah, he kind of like opened a lot of roads for a lot of other people. Yeah. But then, you know, yeah, I'm not, I don't mean to belittle anything. Yeah, after, he's one of my favorite. Thanks right. for belittling me. That, so, uh, so after that, <laughs> not uh, you. I'm talking about Bruce Lee. I don't uh, have a problem. Again, you confirmed you. and he took it as a yeah, pet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I watched it with you. Anyways, um, <laughs> they want you to take the roles, but uh, the Sharon Tate thing specifically, you know, I will say like it is a little interesting. Like she is in, you know, highly featured throughout the film, but it's almost like she has no no lines. A lot of it's gay. She's completely separate from everything that's happening. Well, just no lines. Just no Except lines. the scene in the theater. Yeah. I mean, the scene in the theater when she's packing up and just dancing around with no bra and all lovey-dovey and shit like that. And then, like, that's it. Because you start hearing the music from her disc record player when Cliff is fixing the antenna. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, when she's walking around, I'm here to pick up these books. Da-da-da-da. Three lines. And it's, like, a little interesting. I think it's, some again, it's not like a, this is fucking wrong because you do this. But it's something to comment about, of, like, a way of how he views reality and how it impacts his like story you know like I think he wanted to tell a story that was really important to you know America and Hollywood but using these fictional characters as a forefront and then kind of leaving as much as he can untouched but then touching a lot of the shit at the end yeah so it's a very interesting flow and decision Mm -hmm. of where he wants to extrapolate on and not yeah Yeah. my my qualm was the same I wish there was just more for Margot to do I think you could have included her in the same amount but the caliber of scenes you could have given her or at least include her in the climax somehow I I don't need that even just because again just have some kind of payoff I guess is what I mean well the payoff is for for, Rick yeah so not and I'm not don't mean to like this is going to sound weird. Really I mean, stupid no, I know, I know. But like for someone who did know the history about it, yeah. I, getting her involved would have messed with the subversion completely. Right. And I think the way it ends is, is fine. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the quality of scenes littered throughout the film of her could have been better. better. More yeah. interactions with people, learn more about her. Yeah, so yeah. you care a bit more. Like if I had started to even care more about Sharon Tate, knowing or thinking she was going to die, that would have made me even more stressed mm-hmm. and I think the payoff at the end could have been even better yeah. where she doesn't get killed and you're like oh my god thank god like mm-hmm. I, she was great I loved her right, yeah. right. but at this point I'm like I don't really know her besides the neighbor but also as, you don't, as the neighbor at this point in the film you also don't want anyone to fucking die right and it's very gratifying to feel like oh fuck these hippies right like exactly how the film <laughs> wants you to feel about hippies quote right. unquote hippies and it's like yeah. nothing against hippies but against these family members well, it fucking time, sucks yeah. Uh, yeah. so like for, for me that was my big qualm it's just well, like this event ended the hippie movement as well oh uh, yeah. I mean, I'm still here. <laughs> uh, in most of them, not in uh, NorCal. In well, the in, area, in a still, sense, like the... Yeah, Peyton Ashbury is still going strong. The the bigness that it doesn't... I know what the, you mean. Yeah. The size. Overwhelming. The size, the size of, of it. Overwhelming okay. size. Um, so we're going to get one with hipsters soon? Yeah. Right. And it'll end the hipster movement? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, that's God. it. Just give Someone her more, more scenes with other toast. people to hear her talk, learn more about her. I mean, I could have even Local done brewery. more scenes with Jay and her. Would have been fine. Yeah. Um... I have a local brews IPAs. I had a couple of, I have a couple of qualms, and they're they're kind of nitpicky ones. You have a gripe full of qualms. They didn't ruin my experience of it. It was just kind of a oh, I noticed that. For the voiceover, either use it or lose it. It Mm. was hardly there. There was a narration of the narration, but it Russell all of a sudden it came up, and I was like, I'm not against voiceover and narration. I'm not against it at all, at all. And so when it comes up, I'm like. Okay. Oh, that was Kurt Russell. Yeah, That's cool. Also, and then it went away, and then it came back later, and I was like, "Don't use it if you're going to use it for just like a tiny bit." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was just for me that I was like, 
that was almost useless. I know, understand the information that it's telling me, but I would have either A, give me more of it if you're going to establish that there's a narrator or B, just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. See, it's I thought it was like ending the film mm -hmm. with that stuff because I didn't know about the murders. The murders. So I was like, I don't know when. And, it, and it, the movie kept going and I'm like, okay, so you're giving me something, like is it leading up to something? Do I need to know these times? Is it important? What's going to happen? Like, Yeah. So I kind of agree in a way of like, it was strange to hear it when I didn't know, when I couldn't piece together necessarily why mm -hmm. I was hearing yeah. the narration. Or yeah, it was like, they, it's like a minute later, maybe, he's over here and he pulled they up at 959. They could have maybe put in some of that narration when they were doing the, like, the interviews with them in the beginning. Like, could have done some this of the talking Dalton, for them. Uh, Established yeah, that yeah, the narrator yeah. was a part of this film. Like it was from like the get-go, yeah. rather than just being like, here's a big old chunk, not, here's a little chunk. Not to knock down or anything like that. I just feel like uh, with the narration, it's interesting. I kind of look back to Princess Bride. Yeah. And it's like they don't bookend the narration with this film like a normal narration would do. And a lot of filmmakers, again, like it's a frowned upon use of using a, 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 a trope mm -hmm. as narration because you don't have enough time to phys visually tell the story. Right. Um, but the way they use it is kind of not in the, I forget the word, it's like untrustworthy narrator that like lies to you right. versus like the character that it's lies almost, to themselves. It's interesting because it's none of the information you were devoid of because it had on-screen times and stuff. I mean, so it was almost like a flavor. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, the one thing that it's like you're devoid of is like, oh yeah, he's my guy. He drives me around. It's like, that's a lie. He lost his license and da 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 da. Yeah. So he has to drive yeah. him around. Yeah. But then the other part's like, and then they drove back here and he did these spaghetti westerns and da 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 da. Um, and it kind of, to me, it makes sense. I don't know if it's a good decision or not based on your flavor of what you like. Uh, the very end when it says once upon a time in Hollywood, I'm like, oh, it is kind of like a fucking fairy tale. Yeah. In a sense yeah. Where it's mm -hmm. like, it'll get flaked in there, whether it's done purposely or tastefully. It's up to yeah. someone else to decide. If, it's, if yeah, the film okay. started with it, I probably would be more accepting yeah, of the interspersed. But, um, yeah. Uh, my other my other qualm is... And the credits. No, it's going to be so weird, but... The girls. I love the dog. Yeah. I didn't... I have this thing about the representation of pit bulls. Oh, yeah. Sure. I had that um, same issue, actually. That they're well-trained? No, that... Protectors? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's really uh, they're always, they're always represented dog. as violent, violent yeah. and yeah. attacking dogs. And well, it's even like, on the canned food, it was like good food for mean dogs. And it's it like, was that's like not a, it was a very mean, well trained it was dog. Sweet. To, it was a super sweet pup. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was something that I was just kind of like, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't ruin it. I'm not yeah. going to be like, hey, I'm just kind of like, all right. For I'm me, just, uh, it, because uh, I'm I'm the same way. I, I love some of the sweetest dogs I ever met were pit bulls, but I, did, but I did grow up with a Rottweiler who was the sweetest dog, but also we had a ranch that needed to be protected and got broke into four times. Yeah. Uh, and my dog protected us. So for me, it didn't, affect me in that sense because it was a very perfect when they broke in guess what the dog didn't do anything right mm -hmm. when they were holding guns and knives the dog didn't do anything he put his hand out yeah to pop, yep. to stop the him. only thing that happened was when he went which was yeah. a right. command so for me it was no different than say like a trained police dog or my dog bear who yeah. i had on our ranch the uh, qualm is a stretch yeah yeah no no well, i'm just i'm speaking same. my my end of it yeah so the, so on the f i just want to speak to the other side of the coin where it's like yes I, I, you know, pit bulls being portrayed as violent is, is terrible, but I don't think this was that case. It wasn't the purpose it was, of it. It, it the, was just... In this case, they showed it as a very loyal, obedient dog. Yeah. Right. That just happened to, happened be, to be a pit bull. A pit bull. Yeah. It's right. kind of like, it. I mean, it's it, it would kind of go again, coincide with like, I don't like Tarantino's use of the N-word in a film with slavery in it. It's yeah. Just, it's, a, it's almost like a, a side effect or like a... 
it happens part of it where like yeah. when he shoots someone's head five gallons of blood comes out of that yeah, guy's right. head it's like it's yeah. it's it's a violence and it's part of that thing it Channing. Just, doesn't have to be too much yeah it doesn't it's fucking ridiculous you just saw a paint bucket just fucking <laughs> yeah out. it's like jesus i think the only thing that that kind of bothered uh, my only qualm which turned into violence. not a qualm was the violence actually but I don't say that the as it Chinese was happening, because you know the whole audience is going, "Oh, oh, God, blah, blah," because it just kept going. But then, as I was thinking about it more, I was like, "Oh no, this is pretty justified." Yeah, like and he's mild. These guys. All, well, comparatively, well, no, he's also tripping on acid. Uh, yeah, like. Yeah, it, it makes sense that, that was, like he'd be doing a, yeah. like a repetitive movement over and over again because he's having like that fear. He's like trapped in those like drug induced loops. Tapping a knife that's in his ass. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> he's he's totally out of it. And of course, Rick is gonna like use the only oh, like. I thought he was running kill. away, and then he came out with a flamethrower. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yes, all right. <laughs> but I'm yeah. also, I mean, for also for those of us in Hollywood, it's the followers of the. One of the greatest serial killers of our time, as well. Right. So it's like a therapeutic. Thing yeah, as well. it's a release. It's like th- these like, are the people who killed Sharon Tate. It's kind of get- and many others. We're yeah. kind of getting a release of like, I wish this actually happened to them because catharsis. of what they. The reason did. they burn Hitler yeah. alive and Inglorious Bastards is the same thing. It's just Cathartic. like fuck this yeah. guy. It's like man, we can't do this in real life, so like we can try to glorify it now. And it's weird. And and to me, that's why I have a very uh, tumultuous relationship with Tarantino and his film because. He understands that people watch film and violence. I don't say like violence begets violence, but it's like he understands our primal need to see it and watch it happen for good cause. Sometimes it's for to just entertainment value, but then with Inglorious Batches, I think to a T, he realized like we need to see those things. Like when Christoph Waltz gets the fucking Nazi thing cut into his face, it's like, yeah, you motherfucker, you deserve this shit. And it's like, yeah, to that point, where it's like, Outside of the cinema realm, it's not well. Like over, over, super like, not overdone cool. violence yeah. is like to me, it's a little boring for me too. Like overly right. done anything is a little boring. Um, but then it's kind of to me justified, not because he was tripping on acid, but because of what he did to a guy who stabbed his guy his tire. He like practically rearranged his face. Right, like every punch had a crack in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, my God, don't even even step on his shoe. Like he just his might, boss's tire. he might like gauge your eyes out on, a, on accident. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then you're talking about someone coming in and threatening him, his dog, and his friend. Yeah. A guy who beat the shit out of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Right. That you that know. scream also, uh, when as she was screaming and like running through the glass and stuff like that, that very much mirrored uh, in volume two when Killed she got her other eye oh, taken. Yeah. Uh, uh, forget her name already. Uh, oh, I don't know. I know the bride. Darla something? <laughs> oh, Daryl Hannah. Daryl Hannah. I didn't know who you were talking um, about for a sec. Yeah, when she gets her second eye, she's just like screaming all crazy and then and she like, runs into something or yeah. gets killed. I forget what it was, but... That yeah, kind of I agree with that. that. Any other qualms? No. Not really. We want to rating? Rating. Some rating. So who has the least and who has the most? Well, Ali would have the most, including the Patreon vote. Yeah. So I go last. Uh, I go and last. then, uh, actually, no, it's Kaylin and Ali are tied. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then it's Tom and Josh. So I go first. I'll go yeah. last because I got uh, the Patreon vote. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have been thinking about my rating this entire time because I'm comparing it to all the other Tarantino films. Everyone at home, this those. is the foreplay? Huh? This is the foreplay before you give us the big shebang. This is the foreplay before I give you the big shebang. Uh, so for me, I am a huge Brad Pitt film and uh, film fan, and to see him and Leo on screen together made me really happy. Um, I love Margot Robbie. Gave wish, you a raging wish nerd she on. Got, wish she got more to do because I think she's also super we, talented. We all picked Cliff, but I think we all give a massive shout out to Leo DiCaprio. Oh, the thing oh, I really yes. love about him and his comedy, he plays the schlub very well. Who? 
Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he is that in, in Wolf of Wall Street, too. He's not that cool. No. Like, he's kind of like... Insecure. Like, a, like, he's almost like, to me, a better Jerry from Rick and Morty. Oh, his second scene where he, like, redeems himself on oh. set was Cries. phenomenal. Great. He's like, oh, you know, are you okay? I didn't know if to throw you down. I got pads on. Yeah. Besides, I throw myself down for fun. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, how, okay. how appreciative of everything he is. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're not kind of an asshole. No, he's not. I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's not really an asshole. Yeah. Like, which is why you don't want him to die at the end. He's yeah. just like a struggling actor who wants to do be well. who he was and, and be with his friend and like. And everyone at home watching is like, that's not what actors really do. Like, that's fucking what actors really do. And it's like, that's the shit that they go through. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so all in all, I would give this uh, 4.5. Okay. 4.5. Write it down. Yeah. Next. Is that me? And That would be and you. you and Josh. I'll go. Alphabetical. Uh, 4.5. I, I dug it a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect. It's but beautiful, I though. dug it it's a lot. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is. 4.3. Wow. I uh, almost did 4.3. I was 4. struggling. Uh, there's a lot of great things I like about his films, and there's some taste that he does that I don't appreciate in all of his films, and it's the violence or it's the whatever dialogue or the fuck it might be. Mm-hmm. It might be gratuitous for me. Um, but this film specifically, as much as it was good and it was different from those other films, are the same reason why it's a little... It's, it's off-putting for me. Mm-hmm. And so I find that it's like it's not as surgical as I thought it was going to be. But it's a little messy. It's a little. No, I mean, the it's a little like, '70s Hollywood. Yeah, but the thing, tough thing is, like, this is his Shaggy ninth film. He, you know, you know, there's a lot of emotion behind this film for yeah. him. This is really important. If anything, it's he more important on the for him for like than, five years than, or than all of us. Yeah, you know, like, and that's where it's like it kind of not for a bad point, but it's like he kind of just wanted to regale a little bit about like the things that he loved and um, talk about a film, do a film that he really cared about. It wasn't like this is going to be like part of this trilogy or that trilogy. It was like this is you know this, but this is part of a trilogy too. Mm-hmm. So it was just like I could see it, and for better or for worse, I put that number on. Yeah, hmm. I am. I almost did the same number, but I think I figured out. I, I before the show, I was struggling if I liked this more than Hateful Eight or not, and I think I. Mm. That's why it's a four point five. I think I did. Mine, yeah, is a four point eight. Wow! There you go. Wow. I super liked it. Yeah, because like. Well, you're, this is all downhill from here when you watch the other one, so. Oh my. <laughs> well, no, I, I, because I didn't know, uh, because I was uncultured swine about the Charlie Manson stuff and Sharon Tate and everything else. Like I was purely going in for like once upon a time, like it's going to be kind of fantastical, but it's got that LA struggling, struggling actor. Yeah. I went in with the, like, it's a story. I wasn't expecting murder. Yeah. So when it happened at the end, I was like, Whoa, shit. Exactly. Things are happening. Uh, so we spoke back and watch it again. Now that you know, like read up oh, on the yeah. Manson family and yeah. go back. I'd love to see what you guys I, think. I, think. I, I guarantee you, you're going to have a jaws feeling. Of like Even the God, scene um, that, Oh, I know. God, um, the scene that he's on the ranch the whole time, I was like, oh, oh my fuck. God. It was like, the I whole ranch tra- thing I, was horrifying. Oh, no. I thought Cliff was going to die the whole time on the ranch. Yeah. I thought yeah. Cliff was going to get like mauled know. and murdered. Because I had seen the fucking the Bruce Lee fight. I'm like, he's going to take him out, but he's going to be really fucked up when he dies. Well, I thought, I mean, I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I thought he was going to die there. I was like, also when he's ready like, I'm to check see on George, George like, be really dead and a mummy or something. Yeah. Like, I was very yeah. prepared for it to Which go again, full horror good. There's that surgical precision of like right. I'm going to make you feel this at this that suspense moment. was amazing at yeah. the door with Dakota oh, it was terrifying. and this ain't going to stop me you're like oh fuck squeaky yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so 4.8 uh, for me it's a 4.7 wow um, I really y'all wrong really enjoyed my time in the, in the theater um like I said 
like 10, 15 minutes in, I knew what kind of movie it was going to be. So I just sunk in and I just enjoyed the ride. Blew you away. Um, it didn't blow me away, oh, but it was busy. like, it was just, it was just really enjoyable. It got LA points for me because I'm a schlep and I'm like that. Um, so I, I'm the, I'm the problem of the Academy Award. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I give it LA points. Um, That's for Tom. Oh, it's I made a grump sign. Yeah, you can't see it. And I can I can see myself uh watching this many more times. It's one of my favorite um Tarantino movies for sure. Oh, nice. Um, I, I think, agree. Wow. I think Kill Bill actually might be my favorite. Um Reservoir, and then, baby. Reservoir and then, uh, Dogs all day. And then and my, this might be on top three. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. So Kill Bill Volume One, Volume Two, it. and Volume Two is not in the top three. Oh, that's one film. One is in the top. That's right, it's one film. Okay, then it's the whole bloody affair. The whole yeah. bloody affair is, in the, is in my favorite. There you go. Awesome. So, so Tom's a grump. Tom's, Tom's a grump. grump. With a 4.3. Um, my power. Just, just so I don't give our audience blue balls, I forgot I was going to talk about the audition process. Oh, yeah. A few, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, few, I I'll do this really Their quick. Hand was Me still too. Their I have aud- auditions circled in big, big old circle. My Everyone's going to watch the movie audition. So Here. for, uh, oh, give me, the, so I can see the actor's name. Austin. Austin Butler. Butler. Austin Butler was doing a theater show in New York. He had one day off on a Monday. Tarantino said, I will fly you out to LA to audition for this movie. So he flew him out Sunday night, got a few hours of sleep Monday morning, went to a 12-hour workshop with him and Quentin running scenes all day. And at the end of the 12-hour day, he was offered the role. Whoa. Uh, AKA he really wanted him and he needed to make sure he was up to snuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there was a bunch of cut scenes. Harley Quinn's audition process was she had to write her own audition yeah. and send it in on tape. Wow. Uh, who else? Um, I, the girl who played Pussycat. Okay. I believe did. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, um, yeah. Girl who played Pussycat. Did a scene? Margaret Qualley. Sorry, not not her. Who's the girl Jesus who Christ. who thinks up the murder? Like we should kill the people who oh, oh, oh. showed us oh, how yeah, to kill. From better things. That actress said that she went to a the cattle call audition for hippies for Quentin Tarantino's film, and what he did is he basically had like eight groups of four mm-hmm. running that scene, and he would mix and match them until it got down to the, la- the this gr- group he thought was working, and all wow. four of those people got calls to be in the wow. film. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting. He's like, I'm just going to keep running the scene. All right, you switch with her. You switch with him. Now try it. No. Okay, you guys switch. With, between these scenes, he was just playing like this like Chess. Russian doll thing yeah, of yeah, moving yeah. things around. And then he got to the four and he was like, okay, thank you guys. At the end of this like 12-hour day again. And then they all four of the people in the last scene got called. Wow. So I thought that was really interesting. It's just a very unique process. Yeah. Well, it's cool because again, like I give a lot of credit to Tarantino because you know he has a lot of intention and control over it. Like a lot of that shit goes to casting directors. Yeah. And the casting director has to kind of know a little bit more what you know the director's wanting. I'm not saying the casting director on this is any different, but like how he still wants to be part of all that shit. And when he's trying yeah. to produce it and he wrote it and he has to be the one that goes to sell it to the studio and shit like that. Like again, there's so many big studios that are just like, oh, we have a guy for that. Yeah. We no, have I mean, 12 Quentin, associate producers. Quinn gets that. to handpick everyone he wants. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. You know? And I mean that's you're talking about precision. That's a huge part of it. So you get the people you know can handle the thing you want to do in your mind. And then you go, Yeah, I need them. Only them. Well, I keep thinking about something that I was taught in acting school. And as- actually, Tom and I got the opportunity to speak with Andrea Romano at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And she was talking about casting from a sense of, like, you are hiring people to have a party. Yeah. You get to make a movie at the same time. Mm-hmm. 
But you're hiring these people that you're going to work with for who knows how long. You might as well pick Six people that sometimes you longer. know you're going to a enjoy. jive with. Yeah. You're going to enjoy working to with. I knew it was coming. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think it's cool to see an, a casting process like that. Yeah, it's, it's like, very theatrical. Yeah. It's a very theater yeah. type thing. Like we're going to yeah. do a 12-hour workshop where we just run different scenes and I'll see if you're good enough. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. But then getting personally asked by Quentin Tarantino, well, do you want the role? Yeah, right. It's yours. Like, wow. What the fuck? Yeah. And then, yeah, then he flew him back the next day to go back oh to the show. Oh, my God. And Monday awesome. night, flew back, did his show Tuesday. Wow. Um, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, that was that was it. Just There's more. You can find a bunch online. A bunch of the actors did interviews talking about the audition process. But those were the wow. most interesting to me. Yeah. The one weird thing was that the film was a Bona Films Productions. And normally his films have been a band apart, which is a, a, a nod to a French film fucking maker that I keep forgetting about. Um, but that knock really helped me forget it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I have, hey, if I'm gonna sorry. Be, if it's going to be in the audio, I got to address that at some yeah, point. But they, they stopped making films in 2006. So I was like really interested like, oh, but like I'm kind of just wondering where Tarantino's mind's at now since his ninth film and his production company doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah. Hmm. But he probably works out of another one. Yeah. So I was just was like, it okay. his company? Yeah, a band apart. Yeah, I believe so. Because <sighs> it had the Reservoir dog, Dogs. The Dogs. dogs. Uh, Reservoir the dogs. dogs logo. Oh. Lineup, yeah, Jean-Luc Godard. Jean-Luc oh, no, Godard. Uh, never mind. That's different. Oh, okay. Jean-Luc Godard, a uh, French filmmaker, uh, mm-hmm. did uh, his film was called A Band Apart. And it's like a band of outsiders. And Got then it, he yeah, made yeah. his film, his film company based on that because he talked, he gives a lot of credit to the film, film French All filmmakers. Right. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so there we have it, guys. That's Once complete? Upon a Time in Hollywood. I feel complete. I feel yeah. complete. Cool. Super complete. Once Upon a Time in Nerd On. Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Nerd On. We finished and completed. Oh, okay. Well, oh, well. I want to complete all your cups. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Thank We're you, done. everybody. That's everybody. me it If up you haven't thing. turned it off yet. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate you. What did you think? If you saw this movie, what were your thoughts? What was your rating? We got we're, we got one of our fans to email us all their ratings for our movies. Yeah. So we're collecting oh, those. They went back through all of the movies and was sent that us. I thought that was a collective of ours. No, it was no, theirs. Their theirs. ratings. So I would love I would love if y'all want to send those in. We can average them out. We need at least I'd say ten before we can do it. Yeah. yeah. Accurately. Does that include us or no? No. Yeah, okay. Just, just for just for the uh, the audience scores. Yeah, because uh, we cool. talked about it in a bonus episode about the Nerd on Nation ratings yeah. and like a nation score. It'd be fun. Um, but yeah, check us out if you are new to us. Nerdon.tv. It has all of the information of who we are, what we do, the linky links, the all the linky links, linky the website stuff. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Do share us with your friends, your family. Stop by iTunes, rate, review us. That stuff does help. Nerd on Nations on your side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on that, you know the drill. As always, Nerd on! Ending broadcast.